All right, everyone. Today in the show, we have Steve Stepp come to us from Salt Lake City, Utah. Steve is one of the members of 4x9 and is the brains behind the web series They See Me Trolling. Just want to give a quick shout out to everyone that participated in the Scards giveaway last week. You can follow us on Instagram at TwoPlankerPod to stay up to date with everything like that. As always, if you like the show, be sure to subscribe and give us a rating. And that is it. We'll keep the intro short and sweet and get right into it. Hope you like it. We're here with Steve Stepp. And Steve, what have you been up to lately, man? You are, uh, last I saw you were hanging out with Ankilla and uh, Chris and just hanging out in Salt Lake City. So what's been up? Dude, I had a pretty, pretty fun summer so far. Uh, nothing too crazy. I actually just moved in with, <clears throat> with Nick Gepper. Just a pure coincidence, like universe scenario. He, uh, I won't get too much into it, but I, uh, I got out of a pretty long relationship and was trying to get into looking for a new place. And I get a message from, from Gepper and he, he was also looking to buy a place and get a roommate. He was, cause he hits me up every now and then just, just to talk or hang out or whatever. And he's like asking me about rent and stuff. And I was like, okay, that's weird. So I was like, what do you, what do you care about rent in Salt Lake city? He's like, well, I, I'm looking for a roommate and uh, I don't know how to charge him. So I was like, Hey, well, coincidentally, I'm looking for a place. So let's do it. And it was like a pretty fun coincidence match made in heaven. And then we, we moved in together probably I want to say June 1st. So not too long ago. And we've been, hammering away at the ski structures, mini ramp, trampoline, all sorts of fun land in the back. So it's been a fun summer for sure so far. Hell yeah. Yeah. And then, so that was what I was wondering, cause I didn't really see where you, have you guys been friends for a while or was this something that's like more of a recent development where you guys are spending a lot of time together? Me and Nick specifically. Yeah. yeah. Me. Yeah. So I've been friends with Nick for a long time, actually. He, uh, <clears throat> he's, he's been, a good buddy of mine. Um, I'm trying to think of when we, he moved to Salt Lake, maybe I can't remember, but maybe in the last like five or six years. Um, but yeah, he, I've, I asked him a couple of different times. I think he was in more than one of my trolling videos. And, uh, you know, back then when I was making those videos, Nick had, was just getting so much shit from, from people on the internet for whatever reason, bad style or being too much of a comp jock. And it always kind of pissed me off because I knew Nick and he's just such a nice guy and such a hardworking guy. And so I was always like, please be in my videos, please. Like people would love it. Like this shit would be so funny. So I would, uh, I, I invited him to be in a couple videos and, you know, we just became friends from that. And he, he was, I was surprised honestly, because I was like, why, first of all, why would this like superstar be in my <laughs> ski videos? But he was like super excited about it and it was, it was fun. So he's a good, he's a good guy to have around and he's, he's always down to film skits and bits and stuff. So. Yeah, that's sick. And that's, it's, the, I think the reason I imagine, like couldn't imagine you guys really hanging out is because it really does seem like you guys are completely different skiers, you know, like, I don't think yeah. it could be more different. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've always like, 
I talk about this with with Kiefer a lot is that me and him sort of have a weird tendency of maybe it's not weird but it, it could get weird if you do it with the wrong people but like always trying to see the best in people and understand people before like making value judgments because I think a, a, one of the shittiest parts about the ski industry being so small is that people make value judgments on the stupidest things like oh he uh he dresses like this so I don't like him he's a contest guy with style I don't like so therefore I don't like him he must be a shitty person to be around which is just I mean it's just such a stupid way to look at your peers and uh yeah I haven't really found anyone that I've truly not gotten along with so yeah I, a lot of people were surprised when they started seeing it online like wait why are you at Nick's house all the time and they find out we live together they're like what the fuck is going on like but yeah no he's just everyone in skiing me Nick everyone's just normal people I think a lot of people don't realize that they think of us as like elevated extreme athletes that you can't that they're just like on this different plane but it's like nah dude everyone's just chill everyone's fun yeah and I, and I think that's why it surprised people too when uh like Ankilla was out there hanging out with you guys because it's like oh like you guys brought this uh like this new schoolers troll basically how many people view him into like your realm but it's like nah it's just like another dude that likes to ski you know so that's actually a really funny story so uh one thing about nick is he is uh, a little bit hard to read in terms of sarcasm and stuff and his uh it, it it's taken a while for us to sort of gauge each other's humor levels and sarcasm levels and stuff so one day our our like backyard park was almost done and that trampoline wall was just plywood and I know Nick was planning on getting like painted or carpeted or something. And so he's like, yo, so I finally got someone to, uh, to come over and paint the mural. And I was like, Oh, hell yeah. Who is it? He's like, well, it's this kid from my home mountain who does crazy art. His name's Zan Killa or Ann Killa or something. His real name's Chris. And I was like, I, he's, he was giggling a little bit. I was like, are you, are you joking? Like, are you fucking with me right now? And he's laughing the whole time. I was like, you're kidding right now. He's like, no, I'm this, he's coming this Friday, which he told me on a Tuesday or a Wednesday of last week. He was like, yeah, he's coming. He's going to paint the mural for like two days. And I told him I'd like pay for his gas and, and everything and all the supplies. And he's just laughing. And I was like, do you not know the history of like me and this kid, like beefing online for like the past two years, like getting into like shit storm arguments and all this and making memes about each other. And he, he like had no idea. He knew that Chris was like this eccentric artist <laughs> dude who had wild internet opinions, but he had no idea the backstory. So I told him and, he, and he's like, yeah. So he, I was like, well, where's he staying? He's like, well, he's staying here. He's staying, he's staying with us for two nights. And I was like, dude, this is, I, this is way too much for me to handle right now. And uh, he and Chris ended up staying for like, he just left yesterday. So he was here for almost an entire week staying with us. And it was a, it was definitely an experience having that dude around for sure. <laughs> yeah. So has your, what's your opinion like now that you've 
gone from online beef to actually hanging out with him and, and like living with him for a week. So this sort of plays back into the whole like you know, trying to see the best in people and not like totally writing them off from the start. But he he uh, he beat my expectations for sure. He he was way more calmed down, way less overtly opinionated like in the real world than I was expecting um he still had some like wild opinions about things and like just as a silly example he was trying so hard to argue with me why ghosts were real and so we got into this whole like debate argument totally unscientific about why he's just confirmed ghosts are real they're on another plane the energy levels like we can't measure this energy but they're like that sort of thing where he would just go off in his in his world and I'm like okay that's the that's the Chris I know from from online world but um yeah he was uh he was eccentric he came home with like different melons fruits because you know he's all into his fruits and his diets and whatnot he would eat fruit fucking all day long big bowls of fruit melons types of melons i'd never even heard of before so that part was true that part about his uh his life was true um but yeah like he wasn't nearly as bad as i was uh as i was expecting that's awesome man i i think i'm gonna have him on in the future so i'm gonna get his perspective uh on the whole situation very soon um, yeah. So yeah. So we'll we'll wrap up with a little bit more what you're up to now before we really dive into some of the older stuff because you've been around for a while. So like, what are you doing for a day job um, these days? So uh, I work. I actually am an IT manager for a company. I work full time job. Um, pretty pretty flexible schedule in the winters, which is really nice because this winter I ski. I had one of the best seasons probably in the last like five or 10 years was this past season got to ski almost every day and every day that my body was ready. Um, yeah. So it's just work a lot. I have uh, dogs I take care of, which I'm just in love with. Um, they take up a lot of time, but it's all, it's all worth it. Skateboard a lot in the, in the summer. And now I barely leave the house just because the mini ramp is so sick. If you listeners didn't know, Nick hired a guy from Instagram who built this epic, epic mini ramp in our backyard. So I've been locked into that for a while. Um, yeah, so that's that's basically my summer is skateboarding, dogs, work. Um, I barely hit the ski ramp. I hit it maybe one or two times, but it's just... I don't know. In summer, I'm in like skateboard mode. I don't really want to put on my ski boots and stuff. So yeah, got to step away from it a little bit. Yeah. So let's take it back a little bit because so every before every interview, I do a ton of research about people. And it seems like every time you do an interview, it gets deleted. Like there's been like four announcements online, like, oh, like the squid skiing one. And I, I can't find a single one of them. So really, I didn't even know yeah. that. Yeah, so they're just they're just gone for some reason. I don't know. I don't know what it is about you that that leads to the content disappearing. But so let's let's take it back early. Like, where does it start for you? I know that you're a uh, an East Coast guy, or at least from what I've seen. Yeah, so I I grew up in Pennsylvania, Central PA, like Amish farmland. 
small resort called Ski Round Top, which I'm sure people have heard by now in, in the ski world. Um, I actually started skateboarding before skiing, got into skiing pretty late. My uncle, Uncle Carl, he, uh, he was a, a coach for the U.S. ski team, race team, like way back. I don't know, like 80s or 90s or something. So he got me and my brothers into skiing. And, and uh, my dad, coincidentally, at the time was like, hey, you know, your, your kids are 10, 11 years old. You should get them into skiing. You guys live so close to a hill. So, yeah, we, uh, me and my brothers raced for a couple of years. And I want to say this was uh, late 90s, early 2000s, whenever that was. I can't even remember. Um, but yeah, after we were the only kids on the race team, because my parents were like, we're not buying you skis. Skis are expensive. If you want to ski and ski race, you got to do it for like a year or two before you get your own skis. So we were the only kids like full poor mode on rental skis and two years of race racing on rental skis, which was actually really funny. Um, and then by our like third year, our parents finally got us skis and we we're like fully committed. I mean, we were fully committed before that, but now that we had our own skis, we we're at the mountain every single day. And uh, that was before terrain parks even popped up, at least at Round Top. We had a little shitty little half pipe that all the older guys one year, like I think it was the year we quit racing because we saw the older dudes doing backflips and stuff out of the, the end of the pipe, you know, like you drop in, you ride down that whole, whole side of the pipe, drop in and hit it. Cause we didn't have jumps or anything. So we were all like, damn, we, we got to do that. Me and these, uh, this other family of brothers, the recitars, Evan, Tyler, and Trent, they were like our, our best ski buddies. And we we're all on the race team. And we're, we saw that we're like, we got to quit this dumb shit. Like we got to try and do backflips and spins. So yeah, we we got into park skiing pretty immediately and all the older guys they really didn't like us cuz we were just annoying little middle schooler kids like following them around. They called us the ass jibbers cuz we were just annoying punk kids who we sucked. Like we weren't we weren't good at all. And so we turned it around next year we we turned our crew name into the A-Jibbers to sort of like clap back at them a little. And then as that, that was the same year we started learning like real tricks and the older dudes were finally like, okay, maybe these dudes are not so bad. And yeah, it all sort of took off from there. Um, I wish I had my years straight, but I must've been 13 or 14 by the time I quit racing. And then by 15 was just full park mode. Our mountain had finally started building jumps and rails and yeah, just got my start there. Yeah. That, that timeline sounds about right because in doing my research, I went back through your, your new schoolers threads that you've created and oh my <laughs> God, this is like a history of, uh, of, of your life. Basically you're one of these threads from 17 years ago says a uh, ski round top blowing up. So here you are like 17 years ago. So whatever, whatever year that was 2004, um, you're talking about it. So like, it's just, it's funny. Like, and that was my other question. Like, when did you get into new schoolers? Like in, in terms of like your interest in free skiing and like, what was it like at the time? Because that's like, 
it's almost 20 years ago at this point. Yeah, dude. Um, I remember when, when me and Evan and my brothers, Kevin and Will discovered new schoolers, like it was, it had been around for a little bit, but since like, we didn't know anything about it. Like we had pretty much just got our first family computer. So we're like dicking around on this website, like in shock and awe, like there's a whole website dedicated to skiing. So it took us forever to figure out how to make accounts. And, but, uh, we are sort of lucky because um, after we started making our first accounts and posts and stuff, this other family who we would uh, we would ski with, the Wagners, they were uh, the brothers were a little bit older and they were into like camera equipment and filming. So they were the ones who really they did the whole round top riders. Like Jason Wagner still keeps that site around. I don't know if you if you poked around that site. But uh, all our old edits are still up if they haven't been like taken down from from their linked. I, I think some of the, the videos are hosted and some of them are linked. But but yeah, so we got lucky and he Jason was all about filming and making edits. And I give him huge credit to like how me and Tom sort of took off in the beginning because we didn't know jack shit about filming or anything like that. And it was Jason. Jason and his brother Kyle were always down to to film and make edits and once we figured it out um we sort of like took over half of it me and Tom did we would make our own edits and those were the ones that got like super super popular I think because we weren't afraid to be a little bit reckless those first couple edits were were pretty reckless so but yeah that uh, the whole new schoolers thing was just so awesome and i i not too long ago like i was looking for a thread that i posted and i just could not find it but as i was going through my cert my created threads i found a couple really old ones and was just like cringing at myself so hard like god i was such a little kid just obsessed with skiing like anything new or interesting that happened or a question i would turn it into a thread and like but that's a, that's why New Schoolers was so sick because I I met so many of my current friends on New Schoolers before I'd ever met them in person. So yeah, and and the fact that you can't delete threads without having without messaging a moderator makes it so much better because it's like you see all these pros and you go back and you're like, damn, look, look at what this like little thirteen year old idiot was saying back. Then. Yeah, I'm nervous to go back and look at some of the dumb shit I said. <laughs> there's yeah that it's a nice it's an interesting time capsule really yeah i'm sure there's there's hidden threads and cult posts that would be so fun to look through from other skiers myself included but i don't have the time to go back and look for all that stuff but yeah i'm gonna have to uh to um go through this round top writers website because it's still up and it looks like a lot of the like basically everything's up. So I'm look through this afterwards, but you hinted at you and Tom being friends. Um, so when did you guys meet each other? Cause I think that is like one of the funniest dynamics in skiing, seeing you two interact with one another. Yeah. So I'm pretty, now that you mentioned that round top is blowing up thread that I made. If I can, if my memory serves me, I think it was because we hosted or ski round top hosted a rail jam that was like early or late October like uh, their first ever rail jam this was like right as rail jams started happening 
all over the country. Like one of the first ones that I could even remember. And that's where I met Tom because he he had lived a couple hours uh, wherever west of me, I think, wherever Pittsburgh is. So he he came up and like I was the hot shot at the mountain at that time. I was like 14 years old or 15, like doing all these rail tricks that no one had done. And then Tom showed up and was doing even crazier tricks. And I was like, holy shit, I need to like hang out with this dude. It wasn't even like a, like a, oh, fuck this guy. It was like, okay, here's a skier who is better than me and gets it. And back then, if you had a pair of twin tips, like you talk to that person and you just became friends instantly. So I remember getting his phone number and we we had already planned out like, all right, you can, you can come up on this weekend and, and we'll drive down to deep Creek, Maryland, which is where he had like a little uh, condo down there, which is on wisp resort where we filmed a couple edits, but yeah, it was just like an instant friendship from this rail jam. And I'm pretty sure that's where that thread is from, but yeah. So we met at a rail jam and just became friends ever since. And we would travel back and forth to each other's home mountains, stay with each other, film edits for, I think, two full years, like senior or junior year, senior year. And then by the time college came around, I was like pretty confused because I was like, well, I just want to ski really. But I do. I know I had to go to college because I needed a backup plan. I, I mean, pro skiing wasn't even really in my mind. I just wanted to go ski and see what would happen and I called Tom one day I was like did you where'd you go to school like are you applying to colleges he's like yeah I just applied I'm get. I got into the University of Utah and I didn't even think I was like wait why Utah that the can you even ski there and he's like yeah dude there's like the sickest skiing here and then I, I remembered he filmed this Park City edit uh we tried to plan like a a double family vacation at one point in high school and it never worked out I filmed like a stupid Tahoe edit I think it it was called something about Tahoe being beat because our trip sucked so bad um, and Tom made this Park City edit and I didn't even realize Park City was in Utah so I was like all right I guess I'm applying to Utah so I I applied to the U and got in and we decided to room together and at U- in Utah, the dorms are all set up in, in different ways. So, but Tom and I were on one side of the dorm and shared like a middle section bathroom with two other guys, this kid, Kizza, Kyle Lucas, the gold suit dude from the four by nine videos. He, I had met him maybe once at Ski Roundtop, but not more than like, oh, hey, here's a kid from Ski Liberty or something. And then Rich Fahey was a freezing point 32 kid. I don't know if you know what that is, but that was like a legendary film crew from Perfect North Slopes, like where Gepper and, and Zankiller and Chris Laker are from. So I, me and Tom would go to the Vermont Open and we had met Rich there. And he was just this short, meaty dude who hucked so hard. And we were looking for another suite mate because we didn't want, we wanted to live in four people we knew skied. And there's a funny little backstory that uh, Kizza, who Kizza just loves smoking weed and video games. And he hit up, he hit me and Tom up and we're like, yeah, we're, we're rooming with, with each other. I can't remember which part came first, but he had, he had reached out to Rich 
because he knew Rich from New Schoolers and was like, hey, you uh, you want to live together and go to the U? And they were, Rich was like, yeah, sure, man. He's like, okay, cool. Um, You like smoking weed and playing Xbox? And Rich was like, I don't do any of that. And, but it worked out anyway. So yeah, they, we all became just like super close friends from there. And coincidentally, living in the dorms, we had met through Jeff Kiesel, who was one of our first internet first friends. Um, I'd met him through other ski contests traveling around on the East Coast. He had like, he was there the day I moved into the dorms. And he's like, all right, Tom, Steve, I got to introduce you to these guys. They call themselves four by nine. They're from, uh, they're from Vermont and they're fucking crazy. And so just coincidentally, they were the same graduating year as us, same college, same dorm. So within a week we had became already became like instant best friends with Tim Zilla, AJ DeCoolis and Andrew Napier, who were the original four by nine crew. So I don't know how it worked out, but it was just like cosmic coincidence how we all met each other and formed what most people think or most people know four by nine is from that college crew and that's so crazy like you see these you see like that four minds like one of the biggest like most influential uh like freestyle crews and it's so funny that you guys were just like a bunch of like punk kids that just met in like this college dorm randomly like there's nothing particularly special besides the fact that you guys were good at skiing but you're like just same place at the same time yeah yeah total coincidence but a lot of people ask like oh wh- when did you and tom start four by nine and we have to be like dude we didn't start four by nine they started that like years before we even met them yeah and what do you think of the name like because because the, they obviously made the name when they were probably like 14 15 so now you guys are like 18 19 and you're like yo what's oh, we four fucking by nine? loved it you loved we it you took to loved it. it when we found out about it we were like because we all loved like the same music hip-hop music and stuff we just thought that was the, the most gangster shit ever so we we were, we had no complaints about the name we we're like that that's that's the sickest name ever yeah that's fire and so i mean this might be timeline jumbling but were you the green goblin pre-college or was that like once you started riding with all those guys out west I was the Green Goblin pre-college. Actually, uh-huh. it's another uh, another misconception. They the people see that green and uh, blue Burton suit, which I had a lot of footage in from Park City, like my first year of college. They think that's the Green Goblin suit. That's not actually the Green Goblin suit. The first Green Goblin suit was a full like matching green jacket matching green pants like no no color swaps or anything but that I got I'm pretty sure I got that nickname either from Evan at Ski Round Top or maybe one of the older dudes or maybe it came from new schoolers I can't remember but yeah that the Green Goblin name came before college I remember we uh one of our first weeks of college our uh, the University of Utah had these things. I forget, I forget what they were called. They were basically like uh, sanctioned parties for new college kids to go and like meet people and like there's music and stuff, big outdoor venue. Um, and that's where we, after we had met Andrew Napier and the four by nine guys, Andrew was like, wait, you're the green goblin. I know you, you're the green goblin. And Tom, you, that's the pretzel man. So 
yeah, we, we had gotten those nicknames before. I mean, that just shows how influential four by nine is like all these timelines are all mixed up and people think they came later in our careers, but they, a lot of stuff happened like before we even met these guys, but four by nine was just very, very influential. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, it like goes without saying that it was sick. So like you meet all those dudes, what were those early days like when the new, what people know as four by nine came about? Like you guys just get straight to the mound, straight to filming stuff. Like when did you start saying, Hey, let's make some full length movies. Let's, let's be serious about this. So, yeah, I don't know exactly how it started, but this is another like stroke of luck for anyone looking to get into like having a crew pop off. You really just need someone who's, if you're super passionate about skiing and filming and stuff, you need to find a filmer who's passionate about making films because we had AJ who AJ was an increase still is an incredible skier. People don't know that he hates to be filmed. We have like a running joke where we're just anytime we can sneak a shot of AJ, we have to do it because some days he'll, he'll be like hammered filming. And then some days he decides to ski and throws down like the craziest tricks with the best style, but he just, he just doesn't do it. But uh, having a dedicated filmer like AJ, who was like, he set out from the beginning, like that fall, we're like, well, let's make a fir- our first like full length movie. And so that in September, I remember this, September 16th, 2006 was the first snow in Utah. We had hit this, the trail side rail in Park City, which is like a super, it's knob now, but there's super famous rail, Corey Vanuler, he did a pretzel on it. I think he was the first dude to ever do an urban pretzel that was on trail side rail. So we, we all went up and hit this handrail, um, t- littlest amount of snow, but we are so excited because that's, that's why we were in Utah. We were there to ski. So we skied on September 16th and we started making our first edits from there. A couple more edits, like from September and, and October. I think one of the edits was called late September edit which is actually, I think the first edit that really triggered a lot of people. Cause we were, this was the first like super well-known four by nine edit. Tom was mouthing off, like telling people to go fuck themselves, like calling out other new schoolers members. And we were all just being so belligerent and stuff, but, but the skiing was like ahead of its time, even in September on like stupid features. So I think that's what really what kicked us off from the beginning so we were just in the beginning just so belligerent partying all the time filming all the time and after those first couple edits we're like well we're just gonna commit and make a movie and it worked out look it up yeah so is there at the time were there were there other big ski crews or like what was what was the scene like in terms of the media landscape at the time and like putting out content so really the only other well, I shouldn't, I should probably bite my tongue here, but the, the only other one that I can think of that was like comparable was Stepped. Mm-hmm. So the Martini brothers, Stepped Productions. I know Kyle Decker, who now is films with good company, like Tom's filmer. He films with AJ now. He did, uh, I can't remember if he was still doing, he wasn't doing full length movies, but he was a pretty prominent um, Midwest filmer at the time. Um, trying to think if there was any other like up and coming full crews 
Probably not really. Not that I can think of. I think it was just us and stepped. Mm-hmm. Like what were, what were you well, like watching we, for ski movies? If anything. Level one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Long story short. Long story short was like the, the first movie we were like, okay, we need to like seeing Corey Vanuler's segment in long story short or uh, Shanghai six. But yeah, any, any, we watched every movie, any movie except TGR because those are the most boring fucking sleeping pill movies you could possibly watch. But yeah, any, anything except anything that had park skiing in it, we were watching it and we were at the premieres because Salt Lake had a huge movie premiere scene, which is another sad thing that sort of died in our sport. But like every year, October, November, big movie premieres and you know, you go party, get hammered, watch the new ski movie, watch, maybe Hornbeck drops new footage that no one's seen before or Wiley Miller drops footage you've never seen before. So it was just this whole scene where we watched everything. Yeah. Like you guys were like really the, like one of the first amateur film crews basically from the sounds of it. Yeah. Maybe I'm biased and I, maybe someone can correct me, but I'm, I can't really think of any other crew that was, that went as far and as fast as we did it from the start other than stepped. Cause they were like, we were pretty neck and neck at the time. Yeah. So another thing I found in my research, and this kind of goes with the timeline. So eventually, like you guys move off campus, and uh, like the reason I, I mentioned that is because this it shows how much like, skiing has changed or whatever time this article existed in, because it's an ESPN article titled "Finding the Four by Nine House" by Liam Downey, and it's literally just an article about like your guys' house in Salt Lake City, and it's just like why why is this on ESPN? And it's like photos of you guys all. All drinking together, <laughs> very pretty funny. Photo Wait, can you share? The, can yeah. you send me the link real quick? I'll text that I over think, to you right now. I think I know. So if it if it's the house I'm thinking of, it's got to be our frat house. We we call it the four by frat because we uh, dude, we just had we just got so lucky in like everything in our life. Yeah, that was our frat house. So. We had gotten kicked out, not evicted or anything, but like we wanted to, we wanted to like consolidate the crew into a big house and we were shopping around for houses and couldn't find any. And then within like the last week of when we got kicked out of our house, I think it was Dave and Rich found this house, never met the landlord, didn't even see a picture of her. It was the woman gave us the keys, which is like, the scammiest shit you could run into right now on, on like Craigslist and stuff, but we committed to it and it was, it's on frat row in Salt Lake city for, for the university of Utah. So this house is situated between two frats and there's all frats above it. So it's the only, only house that was like owned. It used to be a frat house. And then I, we have no idea what happened, but there's, no one living there so we got to rent it all seven of us which was it was a massive house it was like a old victorian mansion frat house type thing so that was like that was like the four by nine house heyday like we would have huge huge fucking parties at that house and all the other frats and sororities around us they they called us the snow bros because they were half the people in you more than half the people in utah don't realize how sick utah is for skiing so like all the frats and sororities were like they they were like 
mesmerized by us. They were like, first of all, why is there this crew of gangster, like fake gangster looking kids getting blacked out every single night? Not every single night, but we did party a lot. But like they were, it, it was just hilarious to live in between two frats. And oh, I'm going to see if there's more pictures up here. Yeah, if you scroll yeah. down, there's some really funny ones. Oh, yeah, there's Young Zilla. <laughs> yeah, that was, a, that was a good time. Yeah, we used to host these parties called four to nine parties, where after skiing, instead of, we were like, you know what? We, instead of partying till like 3 a.m., let's just start the party at four and end it at nine. So we would have four to nine parties that, in, yeah, they still went to 3 a.m. So it almost was worse for us because we'd start at four and still go to like two or three in the morning. But that was a that was a staple of the four by frat was the four to nine party. Yeah. That house was so sick. Did you get other pros coming through the house? Because like you're right in Salt Lake City. It's kind of like the only uh, like ski frat you guys were like a content house before content houses were really a thing like you could have had a could have had a reality show about you at the time like were, were people stopping by to see what the hell was going on yeah there i mean there was pretty much anyone who was in salt lake city would come to the house like henrik lived with us for like two full seasons i want to say and he was so young at the time but he would uh yeah he stayed with us i remember having parties where like the big pros at the time who we looked up to like TJ Schiller, Wiley Miller, all these dudes who were like filming the the sickest stuff that we watched growing up would come through. And yeah, it, I mean, it was popping. It was fun. I wish I had more names to pull out of a hat, but yeah, everyone was coming over. It was dope. That's so sick. And so you had that you said you guys had that house for two years. I think so. Yeah. Two mm. years. And so did that bring you to the end of college? Like what was the departure from, from being students and, and like getting into the real world Were some people talking about getting jobs was everyone basically like, yeah, let's keep skiing. Like, where'd you guys go from there? So after, after the frat house, we, we couldn't find another big enough house. So half of us stayed in salt Lake uh, and half of us moved to park city. So in Salt Lake, we moved, it was me, Fahey, AJ, Tim Zilla, uh, and Dave moved. We stayed in Salt Lake. And then Tom, Tom Weibel, and I. He, th there was a couple of other people who weren't in the original frat moved. Anyway, basically, long story short is we split up half in Salt Lake, half in Park City. And the house that they rented in Park City would, turned into like the new party house, which is all those like uh, four by nine house videos. Those were all filmed at the Park City house. But yeah, yeah. so we, um, back to your question, um, Fahey was always working pretty full time. He never like fully committed to, he would film segments for the movies, like for the first couple of years and then kind of focused on work. Um, but yeah, everyone was a little bit mixed, a mix of different things. Like 
I stayed in school. Like I never took a year off from school, even from high school. And I think I, uh, my graduation year was 2011. So I think I did five years and only because I took one or two semesters that weren't a full course load, but basically finished on time. Um, Weibel, Weibel did school coaching. It was a mix. A lot of people did ski coaching. A lot of people had like part-time jobs. I was fortunate enough to start making money from, from trolling videos and other sponsors and stuff. And Tom was obviously going super pro making shit loads of money doing, doing what he does. Kizza moved away. Napes, uh, he never actually lived in the frat. He, he went to school at UBC in Canada. So we all sort of split up, but we are still filming the movies and stuff. So we stayed, obviously we were only 20 minutes, 30 minutes away from each other, but yeah, we stayed pretty connected still. And it was a mix of trying to ski as much as possible, graduate and make enough money to not die. Yeah. So, I mean, I got to ask because you had basically front row seats to the come up of one of the, like the best skiers, um, that skiing's ever seen. And, and that's Tom. So what was it like watching like your best friend going from a dude you're riding with at, at round top. And, you know, he's still very good at the time to everyone knows him X games, tons of money. Like what, what was that like on the sidelines watching that happen to him? Dude, it was awesome. I think I can't speak for other friend groups, but like everyone was had Tom's back like a hundred percent. And Back then, we used to say, we have a little saying, I won't get into too many details, but there's Tom and then there's old Tom. And old Tom was was wild. And he was just like the hungriest, absolute most savage skier of all time. Like, who would party late at night, then go film a segment, and then two days later win the do tour or something like that. But yeah, like everyone was so hyped on Tom and like, he got screwed out of a couple opportunities and we all like flip shit on, on the internet. One of the big controversies was he, uh, he should have won the Aspen open our first year, 2006. He put down a better run than I think Candide was, was in it or some other mega pro. No, Candide was, he was in the X games, but it was the same course. But I, I just remember Tom had a run that was like as good as an X games athlete and he got screwed because he didn't have poles. And one of the judges, Steele Spence, who we all looked up to from old ski movies, uh, someone has a picture of it somewhere on their phone, but under Tom's scorecard, he had like the highest scores, but no poles was circled by Steele Spence. So they basically politicized Tom and fucked him over. But that only really just set his career back by like half a season, because the next season was when he just proved everybody wrong and still skied without poles but dude it was awesome watching him blow up because like it it helped us too because we we had our ski crew we were pretty decent skiers belligerent making waves and skiing but then we had tom who was like elevated and winning everything um so yeah it, we we all supported tom and like went to any event we could to if it was in utah usually um, but yeah, it was sick. It was, it was awesome watching him do it. Yeah. And did that like when you were younger, cause you know, Tom's pulling in a, a ton of money. I don't know if it ever like got into the, like the six figures at that time, 
but it did it give you like a warped perception of of what was possible in skiing were you thinking oh there's tons of money like like look at tom tom's making money like i i could probably keep pursuing this and make a shit ton of money too uh i wouldn't say it gave us any warped perception but i will say there was way more liberal use of money towards skiing because skiing being on the cusp of like on the cusp of being in the olympics it started really blowing up um people started understanding that there's action sports outside of snowboarding and skateboarding so it was really popular companies were eager to give money um but we knew tom like we knew from the start like there's not many people even to this day maybe like 15 to 20 skiers on the planet making that kind of money so it didn't really like it didn't really trip trigger anything to be in our heads like oh well if we do this we'll we'll be making 100k like we knew that it was a rare rare thing for someone to be making that much money yeah like you knew he was special yeah yeah wow that's crazy what were you guys thinking of um like the step crew at the time because you guys were both like thug ski crews but like you, <laughs> this is just my perception. I feel like you guys were o- always had like a little bit more fun attitude about the whole thing. You're like, yeah, we're thug, but like, it's kind of a joke. And then you look at stepped and they're like, yeah, we're thug. And it's like, I think they're committing crimes like off camera. <laughs> yeah. Like, like they took it too seriously. Yeah. They, I think that was just their like editing style uh-huh. and they always went for like the epic, like groundbreaking, like we are, we are the, I don't want to say like put words in their mouth, but like, we're just this epic crew. And I don't know, we, we always wanted to throw the fun silliness. And I think that was a lot to do with Napes. Napier always had this like comedic editing style. And so he was always quick to throw in the comedy and the partying, but yeah, I don't know, just different styles, I guess. Totally. Yeah. yeah, I, I heard a lot of people saying like, those movies don't make it fun to watch because it's like they're getting broke off hitting their heads on fucking 30 foot gaps on the handrails and stuff but also a lot of people thought because they were we were like side by side competing crews that we had like beef with them but dude they were anytime they were in town we were hanging out and vice versa and stuff and like we did a bunch of premieres with them and partied at the martini's house and they were just same old east coast homies like if you had twin tips we we're friends pretty much so yeah that whole crew is awesome though they're yeah. i'm stoked to see they they've made it out and they're making a lot of money that's sick so so i mean you mentioned that andrew has like this really funny editing style was it was it you and him that that went into doing trolling or did you have uh like another filmer or editor at first like what what was the what was the entry like into doing that series with saga so Napes actually had pretty much nothing to do with trolling. So the, the edits him and I worked on together were like the hyphy edits, the mm. Mount Hood edits, some of the Whistler edits. So like the early stuff when he was still in Utah and the first couple of years when we would go to Whistler and, and, and hang out up there. But yeah, the whole trolling thing, the first, the first like season or two was... I honestly can't remember. It was mostly just like collected footage. And I had like a shit video camera. I would just pass off and be like, hey, can you film me saying this type of thing? And then 
Um, the first person I had was like a full-time filmer was Alex Curry, who was a kid from Ski Roundtop, his snowboarder, one of my really good friends from, from middle school and high school. But he he's transitioned into like making music videos and, and videos and has like really nice camera equipment and is a good filmer. So he filmed the, uh, I can't remember which season, but basically the season with the nicest looking footage, that's all Curry. He filmed the Mean Girls season, the mockumentary. Uh, but yeah, some of my favorite ones were, were from him. And then the last couple seasons with Zane and the characters were all filmed by Paul, Paul Bronstein, mm-hmm. who, yeah, he's got, he's just so fun and easy to work with too. And he's hilarious on camera, which he's so nervous about. I'm like, all right, Paul, you got to do this. Like, I want you on the camera and say this and act like this. And he's like so nervous and he's worried that it's going to come off as shitty, but it's always so fucking good. I I keep meaning to put together like a like a super cut of bloopers and just outtakes and stuff and like stuff that never made it in or like really offensive shit we say behind the camera because there's just so much gold that me and Paul have together filming and other other skiers oh dude it's so good that's so funny man so so where was like the where did you even get the idea to do it because you're coming out of college I don't know how you got linked up with Saga so maybe you could splice that in there but it was just so funny and it was such a random series that was put together like where were you drawing inspiration for that or like are you just like weird enough to think of it on your own so oh I guess I sort of missed your first question so I well I got linked up with Saga a couple years before and I had pitched to them like Cause this was right about when I stopped competing and was like, okay, yeah, I probably can't keep up with these guys. So I want to still like make stuff, but I just had an idea to do like a, a silly ski video, like where, where I could put my footage in and be funny. And that first episode, I can't even remember what it was about, but um, yeah, most of the ideas just came from, from the top of my head, but I get a lot of inspiration from, music like soundtracks like the whole um the one the one end of style video with like the bubble eyes and like the weird shit going on that was that whole entire episode was inspired from an iphone app where you could film a video you could film like a 30 second video and put it into the app and it makes it into a fake like horror movie trailer and I remember I was driving, someone was driving and I was in the passenger seat on the way home from Park City. And I did that and was just fucking dying at my own stupid joke that I was like, I'm just going to make a whole episode like a fake horror movie. Like, I don't know. So a lot of my inspiration is just comes completely off the top of my head or like last minute. A lot of it's really last minute. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's some, there's some really random episodes, like episode two with the whole water thing. It, especially the early season, it doesn't seem like there's much rhyme or reason to a lot of the content. It's just like, all right, this episode has one theme and then this episode is completely different and that's every episode. But then like later on, when you start introducing the characters, that's when I feel like really hit its stride and was like, this is actually like almost good writing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The first couple of seasons, I didn't want it to be like, I wanted each episode to be like a standalone thing. But uh, <clears throat> the drink water thing came about because I fucking hated 
those snowboarders from Mount Hood who wore the drink water stuff because they hated skiers so much and they were just such cocksuckers to us that I wanted to make a video almost focus entirely on how stupid the whole drink water company was which I still think is one of the stupidest companies ever and it's just a gag and a gimmick but I wanted to make a stupid video about you know why water's obviously water's I don't know <laughs> but yeah I, I just the whole the whole second episode's inspiration was entirely based on me hating those drink water snowboarders and stuff and I wanted to do a goofy parody on why drinking monster was more healthy than drinking water just because I those dudes pissed me off so bad and then the third episode uh the third episode was just a a trip to Colorado where we partied for like a week straight and skied I, remind me again what what is the theme of that I already forgot I don't even I'm looking for it without getting blasted because it's all on Vimeo um here I'll, I'll pull it up let's see are they on YouTube too um they're mixed all over dude let's see. so many of them gotten deleted and reposted like my view counts are just so skewed there's at one point like all these foreign sites like Japanese and European sites were like re-uploading my stuff and getting like hundreds of thousands of views and I can't find them anymore so like if I were to make like a pitch deck to a sponsor and be like hey look how many views I'm getting I'd have to like find these obscure links and put them all together and like tally up the views but it's just so it's now I've I don't know how to do it anymore. I mean, I just sort of gave up, but I thought that was kind of a shit thing to do because now I have no metric of like, because I know a lot of these videos are getting like hundreds of thousands of views, but I have no way to like prove it anymore because they're just scattered. Should have done a better job of that. But like Saga was the one uh, running, which is which was good for me, but like running my videos off their YouTube channel in a, like a nice cohesive environment, which was great. But once they get re-uploaded and like out of my control, then it, it just became a nightmare. Yeah. Sometimes I go back just to like watch them for fun. And it's like putting together a puzzle. Like, okay, we're going to go on new schoolers to watch this one. All right. The YouTube audio is cut out for this one. So let's try to like find one of those foreign sites. Yeah. You, you asked what episode three was about. I just scrim- I just skimmed through the whole thing and I can't even tell you. It's like I think it's just, I think it's just a trip to Colorado. You get surgery at some point, and uh, I think you like make fun of a girl. Like and I think that's oh the yeah, okay yeah. I get amateur syndrome or something. That's when I got surgery on my finger. So earlier that year, I uh, I try I was skiing in the spring, and I did a switch seven like high mute no gloves slid my hand up and like pretty much cut my finger off and uh i i sliced the nerves to the bone so like i couldn't feel my finger and the my doctor was like you know you should probably get surgery on that to heat to reconnect the nerves or else you're just never going to be able to feel your finger again so that's what i remember curry alex curry filmed that season too because he was the one who i convinced the hospital to let him in the surgery room and I was like, can you just take me out in a wheelchair and like let him come and film me and fuck around? But yeah, that's what that was about. I'm gonna have to go back and rewatch these. Dude, honestly, if they were all compiled into one place, it'd be great and just really make it easy. Cause like I'm looking through it now and you have like four seasons of doing this and it's all all different titled stuff. But like 
Just to pick out some of the favorites, how did you think of the Zane Cushman bit and the Abraham Kane? Are you just like anything that you feel is topical? You're like, screw it. Let's, let's make fun of it. Let's throw it in an episode. Like, is that just how you went about the whole thing? Yeah. Yeah. So the, the whole Zane, it was actually a two piece to, to the whole Zane thing because it was, it was actually becoming really stressful. So one of the episodes called corporate pressure is my least favorite episode of all time. It's my most half-assed procrastinated, like in my opinion, the worst, my worst work I've ever done, but it was based in reality because germ, the, the guy at saga was like, I had deadlines and stuff and I couldn't think of anything. And so I used the deadline as the joke, which is super meta, but that's why it was shorter than everything else. That's why there really wasn't a lot of thought put behind it and just like crazy editing. And like, I'm still super disappointed in it, but it's, it's always interesting to hear some people are like, they love that episode. And I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like it's dog shit. But anyway, so that, that episode and that was the last of that season I'm pretty sure where I was just like too stressed come up with like each episode have its own brand new unique theme making fun of something topical where like a lot elaborate writing for each episode and elaborate dialogue so I was like you know what I, I, I can't do that anymore so I came up with the idea of instead of the episode being the joke, the character was the joke. So I, that's how I came up with Zane Cushman was like, come up with a, like your stereotypical piece of shit, like punk pothead park skier. And the jokes would just write themselves. Like the behavior is the joke. So almost all of it, almost every episode of those five episodes is, is just, is all, uh, improv every almost every single episode is improv with the exception of like the sit down interviews where I would loosely script something for Paul or something for Napes almost everything else is just like off the top just just acting like an idiot and um this is sort of a side note but like uh Zane uses the word all the time and I get criticized a lot for that. And I do wish I would have believed that in the episodes. Like looking back, I probably should have believed it. But um, people criticize me for saying the word in general, but without realizing that like I'm playing a character, like showing you that this is what happens. Like people speak like this in skiing. Like I'm not just making this up for the joke. Like people legitimately say this shit. Um, and then it comes out a few years later that those, that, you know, that, the Fagan brothers get canceled for, for speaking exactly like that. And so I just thought it was like a bit of irony where like, I'm trying to show you people like this Zane character is supposed to be this amalgamation of like park skiers doing and acting this way. And no one believed me until it happened. Yeah. <laughs> so I always thought that was pretty funny. Um, and then with the, uh, the Abraham thing was just like sort of a play off of, contest skiers being you know some of them are eager to show off their love for the church and their their religion and stuff as if that matters so he was supposed to be this like right-wing contest jock who has no style and I mean obviously everyone knows the, the jokes there but that one that one has some great outtakes that I could do a whole like side video of just Abraham outtakes of saying like the most fucked up stuff 
stop. <laughs> so do, do you ever get like, apart from that one specific incident, do you ever get criticism for like who you're making fun of? Cause like, you know, the Zane Cushman one, it's like, whatever, who cares? You make fun of like dirtbag skiers, but like with the contest skiers or the girls are like, are you ever getting pushback when you release those? You're like, Hey, you shouldn't make fun of those people, man. Like, not really, dude. Like I'm, I was surprised. So like the biggest internal controversy was when I edited, filmed and edited the mean girls episode saga was like, dude, I, we can't put this out. Like they didn't want to release it. And I was like, dude, just chill. Cause they never, they never like give me any rules. They're like, just don't say the N word and don't say, you know, like bigoted stuff, which I, I wouldn't have done anyway, but those were how loose my rules were. So I was like, dude, I mean, this is my video. Like I don't want to change it. I think I changed one or two things at their request, but they were so worried rightfully so like now i probably couldn't release that video now like you would get canceled so fast but they were so nervous about that video getting released and then it happened and i was like bracing for impact like waiting for people to write articles and threads and people getting pissed on instagram but even the girls skiers at the time they they loved it they they thought it was hilarious they thought it was a good joke like they took it on the chin and stuff and I was almost disappointed that no one said anything. So the, the long-winded answer is like, not really, no one really like complains yeah, or tells me I shouldn't be doing this, that, or the other thing, which is kind of refreshing. Cause it, it just, I always sort of saw myself as the guy who like the punching bag, industry punching bag. Like I'll say something that other people are not going to say um, in, in, you know, speak for the community sort of and that's why i'm surprised no one like came forward and was pissed off about any of those videos but i don't know and it's not like these videos existed in a time that was like like they're like mid 2010s mm -hmm. but it's like the videos you're making weren't even that far removed from how people think today so it is really incredible that like that no one came at your throat and was like you cannot blah 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 yeah. And I would, my, my philosophy from the start was never, my two personal rules were never make fun of someone like specifically or maliciously. So like, I wouldn't pick on, you know, a Met or someone like, I wouldn't just target someone and make jokes about them specifically. Um, and anyone I do make fun of specifically in the videos, it's always with their permission. Like Gus is in my videos that's in my videos like I always get permission like I would never just drag someone without asking them or like giving them a heads up um and then my other rule was like treat everyone we're all in the same industry I'm not gonna give anyone preferential treatment on who gets made fun of and who doesn't and my that was like the underlying philosophy behind the girls video was like why can't we make fun of them like these are things people talk about all the time on the chairlift. If I made a video, what's the worst that could happen? Treating everyone equally, like you should be, if you, you yeah, that's just my comedic philosophy of like, if you want to laugh at jokes about Zane Cushman type swerve skiers or contest skiers, but you don't want to laugh at girl skiers, like you got to change your perspective because we're all just skiers. Everyone's on the same table here.
Yeah, it's very, very similar to like the South Park approach. It's like, how do you get mad at us for making fun of someone? We literally make fun of everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So like along those lines, when you're in the um, doing the style video, I can't remember what season or what specific episode, but one of the characters is basically Max Hill without saying it's Max Hill with mm-hmm. the cigs and the denim. Was that one of those ones where it's like so similar to somebody you get their permission or like what was your approach with that specific character? Uh, so Max, I was friends with Max, like not, maybe not like good friends, but like we skied together over the years, every now and then. And I would say, you know, good acquaintances, but I did actually call him ahead of time because I wanted him. So there's like a little phone call cut in between in that episode where it's like a robot voice on the phone. That's meant to be Max Hill. I called Max and asked him if he wanted to be the voice. And I was like, hey, just so you know, I filmed like a bunch of footage as this like super cool hipster Hesher skier. And I kind of want it to be like you. Would you be down to like speak on behalf of yourself in this video? And he's like, no, (laughs) I'm not. I'm not. So I was like, well, can I can I still film and like put this out? He's like, yeah, you can put it out. But I'm not being in your video. He was, he, he was like, he was the only one, well, there's one other person, but he was the only one that was like, mm, borderline, not down. But he did say I could, you know, make fun of his style, but I, I didn't even like really make fun of him specifically. It was more of like that general Hesh aura. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So, well, so before we get to when they ended, because I'm sure there's a, there's a whole can of worms to open with that. Like, what were you doing for money during this time? Like, you're just out of college. Are you doing like a straight job during the off season and then like making these videos in the winter? Because I'm not, I'm assuming these videos weren't like paying the bills, right? Yeah, it was like, I'd say more than half of my income was coming from skiing, like Saga, Budgets, Jay, Spy. Um, And then I was working like part-time jobs, like customer service jobs. I worked like a really shitty IT job um so it was like a mix of both and mm. then obviously Windet like filmed two or two or three full episodes at Mount Hood while I was coaching and making money up there which was like a, a really great way to offset the cost of the videos and stuff but that's another one that got buried was the snowboarder episode that's on Vimeo somewhere that's yeah. one of my favorite ones that's the one where I, I came up with the stab snowboarders thing <laughs> and I hired a guy to do uh the voice that dude that dude his name is Landon I hired him off of uh KSL which is like our local Craigslist he has so many good voices I have some really funny like just b-roll shit of him like talking about trolling and Steve as like Gandalf and Christopher Walken and all these funny voices and stuff yeah oh my god man there's so many little gems in here and so many things I'm probably missing that could could be dissected but like what most people wonder is what whatever happened to the series because it's pretty much dead now right yeah yeah i mean it pretty much is so the well the there's two sides to why one it's uh it's just a lot of work and i mean i could still i still like pushing myself to do because People think I just do the funny video 
but I do actually try like each video to do something new or push my skiing to, you know, make it watchable for someone who just wants to see skiing, not just because a lot of the times, like showing them the comedy stuff, if they're not like really into skiing, they're not going to know what the fuck I'm talking about. They're not going to get the jokes. So like the, having the skiing is important. Um, but so it, it just gets harder with, without a filmer. So what happened was Paul, who filmed those two seasons of the, I don't even, uh, Heart of Skiing, which is like the, you know, the Zane Cushman stuff. He, he ended up getting a, like a pretty full-time job and he didn't get a Park City pass. And that was the year Woodward came out and in Park City and it fucking sucked dick the first like year. So we missed like a whole season there. Then I was planning on doing another one. Paul didn't get a pass, but this whole time Saga owed me and still owes me like probably $13,000. And it's just impossible to get the money from them. So I owe other people money too. Uh, and so I don't want to be like, hey, I'll pay you X, Y, Z if you want to help film my video or do work for the video. And then which is what happened to Paul. Like Paul's so cool about it. Like he worked, him and I are really, really good friends and we work so closely together that he understood. I was like, dude, he knows I'm not bullshitting. Like they owe me a shitload of money and I owe Paul a bunch of money too, which I can't pay him because I don't know. But yeah, the whole dealing with Saga has been kind of frustrating. Um, they, yeah, that's a whole thing. Like I was thinking about making like a, doing something speaking out about it but like a lot I, I this is the first time i've like publicly come out and said that but they owe me so much money that it's like why am i going to make a video that they're going to directly benefit from mm -hmm. so i've had to bite my tongue on that for for years but that's probably the main reason which sucks because trolling started out as like a passion project that really took off and now everyone knows about it but and everyone, dude, I still get messages like every day. When's the next episode? When's trolling? When's it coming out? And I'm like, I feel bad because I'm like, dude, I want to make one too. But it's just, it's just fucking hard. No filmer, no money. Like, I hate to be the guy saying I don't want to do it because I'm not getting money. But I mean, at this point, it, it matters. Like, I don't know. So I was thinking about coming out with that information and maybe doing like one last, I do have one full episode written up already that I think would be like a great send off. It wouldn't be with, it'd be, I can give you a brief synopsis, but it wouldn't be like the Zane heart of skiing stuff. It would be reverting to some of the earlier seasons where it's, it would just be a standalone episode sort of talking about the, the metaverse of the Steve step extended universe and some of my characters within it but i think it would be a great send-off but i was thinking about i don't know doing maybe like a gofundme and sort of a f saga type thing it it hurts me to say f saga because they helped me so much throughout the years but like 13k is not a small amount of money especially when i'm like trying to buy a house and you know i'll be be an adult but that money could go right. I wouldn't care if I, my next episode cost $13,000. I would if, give me the money. I'll fucking put out the episode. So that's kind of, that's kind of where I'm at right now. It's mostly just frustration with the shitty side of skiing. Like I'm not the only one in this situation by far. There's so many other people like getting 
screwed out of money in skiing and it's no one's going to do anything about it because it's it's not worth the court costs what about doing like a GoFundMe or something and be like hey here's my story if you guys want to pitch in i'm trying to recoup thirteen thousand. so the shitty thing is a lot of that money the vast majority of that money is like budget reimbursements from from troll other trolling videos so like a, a few thousand dollars are like payments for video like deadlines like trolling videos worth x amount of money um other the vast majority of it is like budgets traveling to colorado traveling to fucking andorra which is what i did for uh which i actually have more footage for which was going to be the last episode featuring zane with the final standoff with magnus in in andorra but i never put that out because that trip cost me so much money. They said they were going to reimburse me on. Um, but anyway, yeah, it's all money I've already paid. So I'm just trying to get reimbursed for it. So I'm pretty much like double down 13 K. <laughs> oh my God, man. So what's their reasoning that they're not paying you? Like, is it like when you're trying to contact their customer service and you're just getting a brick wall and no response or, or no good response at least? I mean, I won't get into any gritty details, but it, it's basically them saying, look, we don't have enough money to pay you. We need to, we need to make more sales. We need to pay this product producer first, blah, blah, blah. And I don't know. It's just kind of the runaround. That's Not the only one on Saga owed money either. So if it was money, if it was money owed, like, like payments for delivery of a video, I wouldn't be so bummed. But since it's money I've already paid out of pocket, that's what really kills me. So, yeah, that sucks. Uh, like, I, don't, I don't know. Yeah. I would say just that sucks pretty bad. So, in terms of skiing right now, um, and this is probably the last thing we'll do before viewer questions. In terms of skiing right now, uh, like, what are you doing for companies? You're just doing your typical deliverables, wearing their stuff some ad shoots like are you still making money from skiing or are you kind of drifting away from it a bit uh it's mostly yeah it's mostly just being present online instagram so i think saga was not to like put myself on a pedestal or my videos on a pedestal but being one of the only like video producers like super popular video producers like outside of traveling circus not many companies had people putting out consistent like full unique content outside of like three minute edits that go on new schoolers so um that was pretty valuable to them but for the most part companies now are just focused on they know that new schoolers is I, I hate to use the word dead, but like Instagram killed it in a sense of people consuming content. So like companies are pretty much just like, well, do you post a lot on Instagram? Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll just, we'll just look at those metrics. Yeah. I could be wrong. There's some, there's probably, you know, more in-depth contracts for, for other skiers, but for the most part, Instagram is where like the money's made. I've just been, you know, being present online and I had a really fun season. Like I skied with Tom a lot this year and we filmed just iPhone clips. Like we, like him and him and I talking together, we know like it's just not worth the time and effort and money to go film these elaborate edits when a 
iPhone shot of a cool trick at Park City gets as many views as it does. Yeah. And now as much money as as something like an edit used to get, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Damn. Well, and I think that pretty much brings us up to where you are today. Like, I don't know if there's anything that that we skipped over in your timeline that you'd like to touch on before I uh, ask you some of the questions that, that people wanted to know. Yeah, uh, that's, I'd say we're pretty caught up. Word. So super duper Cooper 07 is asking, what is your favorite episode of trolling? Dude, little Chris, the little Chris episode is my absolute favorite. I don't think any episode will ever overtake it in my, in my mind. I think it's just because I was, that was like, an entire summer the sony action cam debacle had happened and they give after all these years of making fun of them they sent me a camera so i had just this action cam i was filming when we lived at the ark which is like you know employee housing for windells filming little chris christian allen who's just the funniest like he's one of those dudes who just talks and is funny for no reason like you don't know why he's just hilarious and he's all into rap and he thinks he's this sick rapper and the video just culminated in in uh it was like my whole like summer like a little compilation of my summer which was just so funny and little chris being that was the first trolling episode only trolling episode that wasn't me as the centerpiece chris was like the centerpiece and it was just so funny to be behind the camera, like egging him on, getting him to say stuff. And like, oh, dude, that episode is, I just love it so much. That's awesome. I'm gonna have to go, re- I'm gonna have to go rewatch all these, honestly. Um, so Grant Harris asks, are you Splice? No, not Splice. Splice <laughs> is a real kid. I've met him. <laughs> so, I mean, do you want to give a quick backstory on that? Like a quick two minute summary of who Splice was and how that, how that entered your life? Yeah, so there's this splice for the longest time was this account on New Schoolers making all these, I can't even remember what, he was making ridiculous posts, but had some weird like insider information. And he was trolly a little bit, like at the time I was being a troll online. So people associated him with me and I didn't even know who it was at the time until I was coaching or like guest proing or something at Wendell's. And this little kid came up to me and was like, I'm Justin, I'm Splice. And I was like, okay, so you are a real kid. And he was just this funny little, like, just, I don't know. I don't even know how to describe him. He was just this little, he wasn't a punk. He was kind of like a little goody two shoe type kid into filming, like didn't really care too much about skiing. He just liked the idea of skiing. And, but yeah, he, uh, he was funny. Like I, I messed with him that whole summer and he, he was just a funny ass little kid and he yeah. filmed some stuff. Um, but yeah, splice is a real kid. Not <laughs> I me. Remember, I remember from that time, one of the things that people always ragged on him for is like, he would hype up these videos that were coming out and they never, ever, ever <laughs> dropped. They never dropped, but it was like websites made trailers made all this hype. And then it's just nothing ever. Yeah, and then he just disappeared. Maybe I'll, I'll I'm gonna try splice. to follow up with him. See see what he's. Yeah, up you to. should find him, dude. See yeah, if you can get him on a podcast. Uh, all right. And Killa asks, uh, hundred dollars on the line. Who's who's a uh, skier you would go one on one with in Smash Bros? Because he says you're pretty good. You mean to win a hundred dollars? 
oh, I'd go against him. I'd win every time. <laughs> who who would who would actually get, be a pretty good uh, challenger for you? Um, there's a there's a filmer. Really well, yeah. He's probably the closest, most challenging sixty four player I've ever played against. His name's Jasper, Jasper Newton. He, him and I would just like hog the 64 at West coast sessions and Wendell's like, we'd be like, yeah, you guys can, we'll play some four player games of smash. But when you're done, me and Jasper are going at it. So we would go at it pretty, pretty head to head, but yeah, he was my 64 rival. I don't really have any uh, ski rivals for, for the later iterations of smash, but I'll put Jasper's name on that one. Word. And so, yeah, we got two more uh, just simple questions. So the Caruso, longtime listener, asks, what's your uh, favorite on-mountain beverage? I mean, uh, it's probably Red Bull. Hate to be the uh, disappointment for the monster heads out there, but, yeah, I'm a Red Bull guy. And oh, I actually don't really like uh, – if he was expecting, like, an alcoholic answer, I don't really drink and ski. And I don't smoke weed. Also, people think I smoke crazy amounts of weed to come up with these insane ideas, but I don't smoke weed either. So fun fact about yeah. Steve Stunt. Actually, probably the most I've drank in the la- in my whole like ski career life on Hill would be this last season. Woodward like at night after work was like the sickest, most fun, which is surprising because Woodward sucked so bad two seasons ago when it first came out. And then this year was like a 180. It was Woodward was so fun. And we would go after work and have like one or two beers and ski and hit the deep, deep slush because it was like 80 degrees. But so I guess I shouldn't say I never had beers on the hill, but I only just started having beers on the hill after work. There you go. And then Schumann. I mean, a lot of these questions were already answered throughout. And, and believe me, there's plenty of where where is the troll and episodes questions but shoe man asks uh how are your popcorn lungs i uh also hate to be a disappointment here but i'm off the sauce september 2019 i kicked the jewel wow so the popcorn lung is fully healed unless it comes back in a bad way somewhere down the line but yeah poor cushman's off the sauce i might have to get back on my bullshit though word yeah so i think that's the end of the viewer questions i mean really a lot of them were answered throughout um some people didn't appreciate uh your joke about uh racers being gay yeah no i uh so when actually another fun fact is one of my good friends is skier man who's like the most hated person on the entire internet but uh he's the one who brought it to my attention so I'll just give you a quick backstory on that. And uh, so I, I made that video cause I just got on TikTok, and I'd spent like weeks just watching TikToks, laughing my ass off, getting the idea of like, what do people like on TikTok? And it's just easy and fun to make like one-liner jokes in 30 seconds, as opposed to a whole video of jokes, you know? So I was just playing into, um, you know, the quick, fast joke mentality of TikTok. So I personally, I didn't think it was that bad of a joke. I thought the 
there was enough of a punchline so that the, I won't get into the whole details of the thread and stuff. Cause I did read the first couple pages and had a big long answer that's still on my computer prepared about it. Um, I was going to make this big response. And that, then I just thought like, I, I, I didn't do it, but I I'll give you a little quick backstory here. So that video was up on TikTok for over a week, got like 60, 70 80 comments of like people thought it was funny like they understood that the joke was just about you know racers and yes it wasn't it definitely wasn't one of my best well thought out jokes but what really bothered me about the thread was that the op1 didn't even see the video i forget his name um I think it's abortionator. Oh yeah, abortionator. He didn't even see the video. And then his original post said something like Steve Step is normalizing the use of calling people gay or something, which also totally missed was like a total reach of the video. So I won't get into that, but that's totally wrong because the video was deleted by the time he had only just seen screenshots of it. So it was up on TikTok for a week. Like people thought it was funny. There was no like backlash or anything. So I was like, okay, I'll bring it over to Instagram because I just got on TikTok and I know people on Instagram usually don't have TikTok. So I had it up for like five hours and most people thought it was funny. And there was like a handful of people who were like, okay, not cool. Like, you know, this is offensive and all this stuff. So, so I took it down. And I had some conversations in my, in my DMS and stuff. Um, and I, I was like, damn, I really just like, this was like the first joke in my whole 15 year career of making jokes that really made me question, like, did I really, I'm not, I mean, I must've fucked up. Like, cause I've never ever had to like question. I've never deleted anything in my whole life. I've never deleted posts. So I was like, damn, did, did I really fuck up? So then then maybe the, it was the next day that that thread popped up and skier man told me about it. So I read through it and I was just like up all night. Like I literally did not sleep that whole night trying to like worrying about what people thought and like my, what my response would be. So I wrote up this whole thing addressing like people's comments and, and abortionators original thread. And so before I posted it, I wrote like maybe a page. Um, and then, I decided before I post, I'm just going to reach out to some LGBT skiers that I know of. So I won't, I won't say any people's names, but I re I DM'd a bunch of people who are like, not just rando skiers. They're like, you know, pro or, you know, semi pro, I guess you could say skiers or whatever you want to say people who are in the industry. So, and friends of mine. So I was like, Hey, I know you're in this, in the LGBT community. Like, can I, can I ask you a candid question? Like totally, I want you to speak from the heart. Give me your honest answer. I don't care if you like, you can rip me apart. I don't give a shit. I'm just going to send you this video. You tell me what you think. So I did that to a bunch of people and I got some pretty insightful responses. Some of all the ones I talked to only one of them, I, which was my longest conversation was with, with a guy. And he was like, he wasn't overtly offended by it, but he, he was like, you know, lecturing me on why he, he changed my perspective a bit and why it would be offensive to the community and all this stuff. So I, 
I ended up doing like a couple days of research with other people and gauging people's responses and showing it to people in, in person, like on my phone. And the majority of the people who saw it in person, like I would be like, Hey, watch this video. Tell me what you think, like honest opinion. And almost all their reactions was like this. Like they didn't understand like why it would be offensive or, or that it was even that funny. So I think that's why I was so mixed up about it because it was just such like, and people were like, this is such a poorly thought out joke. Like, it's just like the worst punchline, like come up with something better. And I'm like, dude, have you ever been on TikTok? Like that is the nature of TikTok is to come up with the stupidest, shortest one-liner, like quips and jokes. But anyway, uh, back on topic. Like I, ha- I did have my perspective changed I changed some of the set lines and stuff in my write-up and um, I do honestly realize why it's offensive and stuff. Um, But on the same note, I do think it wasn't as black and white as the, as the abortionator was saying that one, if you're in the, if you're entering the realm of comedy, even if it's something like a TikTok and people know my background, you have to understand like, you can't just take a joke as he said a joke that I'm offended by that might offend the LGBT community. Therefore he's, he's doing this. Therefore he's normalizing this bad word. Therefore he is a bigot. Therefore he's a homophobe. Like people who make those jumps are just not thinking critically. And I think, I I don't know if, if his mind has changed about after seeing the video, um, or maybe this response if he ever hears it, but I think there's there's a middle ground. There's no, it's it's not going to be me conceding and saying, oh, I apologize. Like I'm this big waste of space. Like I'm sorry for offending everybody. Like I've I've reeducated myself. Like a lot of people I showed it to thought it was funny and they understood the joke and they understood that it was poking fun of racers at the expense of LGBT community. But at the end of the day, it wasn't like it wasn't an attack and it wasn't normalizing the use of like a slur. So I think there's a middle ground of like, I do apologize to anyone who was offended by it, but I also would like to stand by, stand by the use of comedy in a sense of like, no one should be off limits to be made, made fun of. So I don't think I'll ever release the, the document I have, but if anyone wants to read it, maybe, maybe if there's enough people asking about it, I'll show it. But, but yeah, I just wanted people to know, like I did my research and had my mind changed, um, talked to other LGBT people in the community and got their opinions largely was of the mind. Their mindsets was, yeah, it just wasn't like that great of a joke, but it wasn't like earth shatteringly offensive. And most people in the community didn't think it was that offensive. So take obviously not I'm not speaking for everyone in that community but because clearly there were people offended but the the greater point I'm trying to make is like the people who know me on new schoolers especially like where I grew up and started my like career and my comedy on there to to turn that fast on me after like I've supported so many people on there and just they've turned so fast and like ready to throw me under the bus for one one bad joke like one that I'm admitting is a a bad joke that was just like 
just like a dagger like damn you guys really i don't know know. yeah i was just disappointed in the community like didn't even get a chance to really speak about it i mean i guess i i could have made my response but i i wasn't expecting anyone to to have like a a thought out response to that but and i was just sort of like it was unexpected i guess to be turned on that fast like especially people knowing like my comedy my philosophy of like i made an, a 15 minute video making fun of female skiers and somehow managed to do it in a way that wasn't like you know offensive or sexist in a way that was just like i, I don't know i don't know if i'm on the right track with that but there's, there's a middle ground like it's a bad joke i wish that it didn't turn into a massive threat on these schoolers but i actually haven't even read past the second page because i don't want to read past it so and i don't want to revisit it because it really did fucking bother me like not that they wrote the thread but that maybe i had done something like fucked up and mm-hmm. it really made me reconsider like what i post online <clears throat> and um actually now that I-, I remember why i was mentioning why there was like 50 or 60 or 70 comments on tiktok and um so i only mentioned that because of the people who got outraged, not a single one in, in 80 comments on TikTok, but it, within like 20 comments of Instagram, to me, I was expecting if anyone, any platform would get outraged, it would be the younger like Gen Zers who use TikTok, not Instagram. And so I was thoroughly surprised that it was Instagram users and like the older generation that, that got as offended as they did. So that was the only reason I mentioned like the 80 comments thing was like, and I, that's why I was so comfortable in the joke and p- bringing it to Instagram. Cause I was like, well, if no one's offended here, then it's going to land on Instagram for sure. Yeah. Damn, but man. I was wrong. So it's tough. I but think. the other thing is like, I don't know if you spend any time on TikTok. Like Tons I think the, 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 t- the tide is shifting in terms of like humor based on you know, immutable characteristics like race, sexuality, things that like most young people in the young generation know that like you can't change your skin color, you can't change your sexuality. So it's okay to make fun of it. And I think that's actually a really, really popular sentiment on TikTok. And you see that a lot. Like there's some really, really funny race humor on TikTok and some really, really funny humor, like making fun of everyone sexuality whatever because they know that like everything's in jest and if you're on tiktok you're not going there to just outright trigger someone and maybe there's political people who do that but like the majority of the times if you run into like a joke about gay people or a race joke it's funny and if you read the comments most people are understand that humor is humor and no one's out here attacking people and that was that was just the sentiment I was playing into was like I tried to make a lighthearted joke about ski racers and used grinder as an example. But I guess if it, it backfired and I mean, if people really I guess the thing I wish the most would be like if you could jump in my head and see that there was no like malintent behind the joke at all, like obviously can't prove that to you, but like come on, you guys have known me for like 15, 20 years on the internet. Do you really think that I fucking am not down with LGBT community? Like, 
it yeah. was interesting for sure. Well, you're also far from the first person to make that joke. I mean, oh my God, the the jokes about racers being gay and then and then conversely, snowboarders calling all skiers gay. I mean, that's like one of the oldest jokes in the sport. Yeah, yeah. No, that's the that the thing is that's not even jokes. They're just saying racing is gay or skiers are gay. Like they're just trying to be offensive. And I think that's the the line that I wish like the OP would have seen is like, we, we've been around that sort of talk for so many years that maybe this, my TikTok joke sort of blended in with that. But like, I don't know. There's a difference between someone getting aggro and calling racers gay in a forum post or Torstein Hjorgmo or whatever his name was who made all those fucked up tweets about skiers being gay. Like those aren't jokes. Like those are people actually just being assholes. So to me, I think there is a difference. Like if you're, if you know me and you know, like what I'm about, like sifting through what I consider to be comedy, what most people consider to be comedy, like you got to take these things with a grain of salt. Like you got to know that like I have friends in the LGBT community. I wouldn't do something that would compromise like relationships there. So I don't know, but obviously I don't know everyone on new schoolers. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, so this, insight into the mind of someone that basically <laughs> tries to be funny online it's, it's a tough line to uh to walk sometimes dude for real that's why i'm guessing why people aren't people on instagram and other pro skiers just don't even try to have a personality i'm not saying that that's just who they are i'm saying they don't do it because it's too risky and to your point before our interview was uh, maybe we can get into this another time but uh, you mentioned me talking about wishing other people would just speak up, but it's not like speaking up in a sense of something's wrong. We need to fix it. It's speaking up, like make jokes, be funny, be yourself, like be the person I know you're not on Instagram, not the rock star can posting athlete who just is a robotic skier and posts skiing, like do something fun, do something funny, do something risky, like say something, have a fucking opinion, but literally no one has an opinion. So I'm not surprised that I got canceled for a 20 second joke just yeah. for having a, the idea to make a joke, like find any other skier challenge, find any other skier who's in the industry that's made an attempt at making a joke. You won't find it. And if you do send it to me, there we go. But no one is, no, no one makes jokes because it's just, I don't know, not in the nature of, the ski industry yeah i think that's a good way to end it like I, I i mentioned before the interview and you said like yeah i don't i don't have any pre-planned bit about what could change in the ski industry but yeah like just showing that you're a person and not a walking energy drink sponsor is probably a good a good note to leave off on steve it was great talking to you i'm very happy to have you on i watched your videos forever so this was uh this was fun going to talk about them yeah thanks man i appreciate it yeah anytime dude We'll do it again. Word.